Good morning, church. What a good day to be together. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to the book of Romans. We'll be in Romans chapter 14 today. This will be our last um, <clears throat> passage in Romans before the one we will share at the end of the year. You have made it through. It doesn't mean that what's coming in Romans 15 and 16 isn't good. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, it does mean that, that we have gone through pretty deep waters walking through the book of Romans. Next week, um, we'll start up a series as we look towards eternity, uh, as we talk about Revelation and what God has before us. Um, in the midst of that, we'll also bring in some of our mission partners and we'll get videos from our mission partners. So we'll kind of get to see what God is doing through our missions and our ministries here at the church as we then get ready for Christmas, y'all. We're that close. We're that close. Um, I've put my Amazon wish list out there for you guys. It's ready. Not really. Um, but if you haven't been with us, this passage of Scripture, where, where we've gone up to this point, I'll make sure I'm staying in the right place, really started in chapter 12 of Romans. And that's really where we began this. And chapter 14, the reason that we're going to kind of break here is not that chapter 15 doesn't work together, but chapter 14 wraps itself back into chapter 12. And if you're with me and remember a little bit, what really talked about is a living sacrifice is a joyful thing that someone does when they love God with all that they are. And then their actions are approved by God. Their thoughts are being renewed by God. Just this idea of finding your whole self your whole worth your whole thought process all in Christ and that the living sacrifice is actually a joyful thing it's a gift to us not a burden and then it talks more about then how we are to love our neighbor as ourself what it looks like to love and and live out that life for Christ Jesus and how it looks like when we love our neighbor and, and, and then it went on in chapter 13 and said, man, not all of your neighbors are going to be wonderful. Some neighbors are going to be hard and some neighbors are going to be good. And it's just kind of been walking through how when we love God with our whole heart, that we necessarily love our neighbor. And that's where we were last week. And we said, listen, the reality is that our love for our neighbor isn't dependent upon who our neighbor is. Our love for our neighbor is dependent on our love for God. And that, that's really where we find ourselves, just saying, God, when we center it all back in you, it's a different ballgame. And that's really where we find ourselves even today when we talk about um, uh, Romans chapter 14. It's this reality that when we are taking every thought captive, when our mind is set upon being a living sacrifice for Jesus Christ in all the goodness, all the sweetness and the wonderfulness that that is, then we start seeing that invade every part of our day, every relationship that we have, every thought that we have when we're tired, bored, worn out, weary, abused, it doesn't matter. And all of a sudden we realize what it means to be a living sacrifice and how good it is. Or as the song would say, how sweet it is to be loved by him. You follow me? That's really what, what this whole passage gets to. And it walks us through some waters and relationships that are hard. And in, verse, in chapter 14, we really find ourselves in Romans 14 in this same place. But we have to have it in this picture of loving God and being a living sacrifice. Because today's passage starts off with verse 1, chapter 14, okay? I want you to read it with me. Um, 
This is one of my favorite verses out of Philippians. My second, probably my first favorite as a parent. But verse 14, as, the, for the, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. My favorite verse as a dad is in Philippians. It says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. And I normally try to say that to anyone except the guy in the mirror. Amen? You with me on that one? I want you to do all things without grumbling and complaining. If I grumble and complain, it's justified. Amen? You feel that way sometimes? Like if, I'm, if I've got to that point, it's sincere. Well, the interesting thing here is we tie it into Romans chapter 14 is in this theory, in this, I'm assuming this thread of conversation, we really find Paul going through loving God, living as a sacrifice and what that looks like in the world. He says, oh, by the way, when it comes to your Christian relationships, it's not talking about those outside of the faith in, in chapter 14, particularly. It's not talking about just random people. It's not just those you're related to. But in your Christian relationships with a brother who might be weaker than you, and we'll talk about what that means, don't quarrel over opinions. Do you know something that we're phenomenally great at? Picking a fight. Amen? I mean, for example... Who watched the world, the, not the world series, no one's watching that, but who watched the, the ALCS? Who watched the, the Astros, right? Okay, now listen, did you see like 700 ridiculous calls by the umpire, like obvious strikes thrown and they were walking, like, like they wanted us to lose? Are you following me? It was like, were you listening to the announcers? It was like, the Rangers are great. What? Right? Are you with me? When we were playing the Diamondbacks, did you feel like the, the journalists wanted Arizona to beat us so that we wouldn't get in and we wouldn't even go? Did you feel that with me? Jerks. Isn't it easy to store up a quarrel? It's, it's, some of you are like, I was just playing, like relax. Some of you, it's just a game. Like We are so good at picking a fight, aren't we? We are so good about bickering. And, and, and throwing things around over our opinions. Um, in fact, studies have been done on how much we love to bicker in our own family, right? Don't say this out loud, it gets you in trouble. But you can turn to your spouse if your spouse in the room and guess. How many minutes a day does arguing happen in the average American household, according to this study in 2018, right? How many minutes a day, okay? So you can turn to your spouse. And <laughs> this could be like confession moment. You're like, oh gosh, I hope it's three hours. You know, now it's 49 minutes out of every day is spent arguing. Now you're like, that's pretty cool. You're asleep eight of those and you're at work eight to 10 of those. You follow me? You're like, so basically out of the, six and a half hours that you spend with your spouse throughout the day you know you're, you're giving up 49 minutes of those in your household with bickering right is that is that it have you have you felt some of that truth a little bit like it's funny it, it's we just even if no one has anything to do with it had a bad day at work your wife or your husband has done nothing wrong and you come in the room and dinner isn't salted enough for you bicker 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 maybe you've been this person I, i'll confess i've been this person like the day hasn't even started 
I just had a bad dream and my wife was ugly to me in the bad dream. And then I wake up and I realize it's a bad dream. And I just shake off the dream and I don't feel any emotions at all. I think, oh, it's just a dream. No. Have you ever woken up and been like, I know you didn't do anything, but I'm still mad at you? Have you done that? I mean, we're just so good at quarreling. We just, we're gifted at it. And what's interesting here is that this long list of, of what's going on here, the Lord writes these words. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel with him. I, I want to unpack it so that we don't mess it up. Because it first says something pretty amazing right in here. Let me see if I can get this right. Right in here. Let's see if that's in this. As for the one, this means somebody outside of you. Church, the first thing that the, the Lord wants us to know as he speaks to us through Paul is as Christians, you have to consider others. If you haven't heard that drum beating throughout all of this, hear it now. As a believer, the world doesn't revolve around you. And when you and I are living our life, we have to be mindful of other people, where they are, who they are, how things are going. I think that lays itself into a pretty deep theological reality that you and I were made for Christian community. And Christian community is not some shallow wave in church. Christian community isn't like, I, I see their car every week here. I'm polite to them. But Christian community is really saying, I know them. I mean, th this person, I care about what's going on in their life. This person is part of my prayer circle. Christian community is people that I'm going to share life with and not all exactly the same, but it means I care enough to understand who you are so that I can show you the love of Christ and the way God has made me to show you my love. And the way you show your wife that love is different than your children, is different than your closest friend, is different than your friend's friend, is different than your coworker. But you're still thinking, how are they? If Christ died to love them and to minister to them like he did me, then if I'm going to be a living sacrifice for my king, then my mind needs to be on the things that are on the king's mind. And so the first step in this idea, this conversation about us living and not quarreling together is really asking this question is, are you aware of how your brothers and sisters around you are walking with the Lord. Are you aware? You know, that takes an investment. That takes a, a real effort. But if you are aware, then here's what the Bible says. You'll start to understand and know where they are in their faith. You'll start to see, are they running hard after Jesus or have they been tripping up lately? Has life been hitting them so hard that all of a sudden their hours are burning daylight, they're not having time in the word, the word isn't as deep as normal, whatever it might be. It's not saying judge them as weaker than you and you're awesome. What it's just saying is, as for you, are you mindful of how your brother and sister are doing? 
And if you do, if you are aware, then care about them. How do we care about our brother and sister? Oh, that's big, right? Let's go there. How do we care? We welcome them and we choose not to quarrel over opinions. And I love that Paul put these two things together because the truth is you can't do to both in the same time, right? I mean, have you ever walked into a bad family reunion or someone's house where you knew the welcome was fake because there was some reason behind the surface, someone was just waiting for you to step out of line so they could give it to you? Has that ever happened? Have you ever opened the door to your work and going into your boss's office and he says, hey, have a seat, as if everything's okay, but you just feel like death shrouded your shoulders? You, you cannot welcome someone in the Lord, especially a brother or sister in Christ, and be prepared for a fight at the same time. It does not work. So what scripture says is, when you care about your brother or sister in Christ, then you need to be hospitable. And if you're hospitable, it's not a moment, like I was hospitable for that second. It's the way you engage with them. So as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. I had to look at this idea of what quarreling over opinions looked like. I had to dig into it a little bit. So I started uh, just thinking about things uh, that were pressure sensitive. And I, I really started then to think about how space works and entering our atmosphere. And there's this thing called atmospheric drag. Any of our, our engineers heard of this atmospheric drag before? It's a real thing. So our, our world here, right? This is where we are. We're like right here. I won't tell you how that works. But when things are welcomed into our environment, we say, hey, satellite, come back down to earth. Hey, spaceship, come back down to earth. Our atmosphere actually fights against them a little bit. The gravitational pull that brings them in is very unwelcoming. Because what happens is when an object comes into the atmosphere of our world, it creates this drag. And this drag means that it's going to encounter, and I'll get all my details right, it's going to encounter mechanical stress and massive amounts of heat. So when something is welcomed into Earth's atmosphere, our welcoming party is mechanical stress and atmospheric heat. Sometimes, does your home feel like a place where people are welcome as long as they see eye to eye with you on every single thing that's ever existed? And if not, you're welcoming them in with mechanical stress and atmospheric heat. I mean, I'm not just talking about like, like small things, but I'm just wondering how many times have you experienced that? Where, where everything looks like it's gonna be good, this Bible study looks good, this meeting with someone looks good, and they're a brother or sister in Christ, but you're on pins and needles because you know they are waiting to just zap you with something that they have a strong opinion about. Have you ever been in that situation? Have you ever been the one creating that situation? I can't wait to get to correct you with the love of Jesus. See, here's the interesting thing as we look at it. This word quarrel over opinions, quarrel means to make distinctions. 
to draw a line in the sand. The word opinion here literally means a conscientious decision that you have come to, to know over time. It doesn't say biblical, undeniable, first-level first truth. But over time, as you have walked with Christ, you have formed this opinion about how this thing should work in your life. See, what scripture says is, don't wait in hiding to tag people with an opinion that took you a long time to get to on your own. And now all of a sudden, it bothers you when everybody doesn't have that same opinion at that moment in time. Because all you're doing is creating divisions in the body of Christ. And, and scripture points to the reality of that, that heaviness. And that poses this natural question for us. So does that mean I can't have any hard conversations with my brother or sister in Christ? I think that's a real question. I want you to look in verse two and I want you to look in verse five. And, and we'll read, you can read in the middle as you want to, but the two examples that Paul gives are here. Verse two, one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person believes he only can eat vegetables. Now look at verse five. One person esteems one day better than another while another esteems all days alike. Each should be fully convinced in his own mind. So does that mean we can't ever discuss things? Well, this is interesting what Paul does because God, Paul gives us these two pictures. One is about food and it's unclean versus clean. The other one is about a holy day, which is really a question about Sabbath. Are these big issues in the church? Absolutely. To, to the Jewish people, they're in scripture. These are big issues about whether a food is clean or unclean, whether a certain day is holy or whether the man, man was made for the Sabbath or, or whether all days are holy or maybe you need to set one side of the day as holy instead of all these, the, a particular day which would have been Saturday or the Sabbath. So these are real things. These aren't which political party loves Jesus more. It's not about what color should the church carpet be. It's not about which Wednesday night program to use in your children's ministry, RAs or GAs or Awanas. It's not about do you like singing from the hymnal or do you like singing with the band? Those things are such low-hanging fruit, Paul doesn't even allow them to be addressed. He says, that's a duh thing. If those things are causing distractions or divisions in your church, you're in sin. You're the weak one thinking you're strong. But he says, let me tell you something monstrous. I, I'm talking about clean and unclean, things that have been a part of Scripture in your whole life. And coming to understand that Jesus has fulfilled the law and declared all food clean. Some people just haven't made it to that point yet. The Sabbath, they had been raised, many of them worshiping on the Sabbath. Now many of them are kicked out of the synagogue and they're now choosing to, to worship Jesus on the day he rose from the grave, on, on Sunday. And, and Paul says, I want you to know these are big, heavy things. 
but the things that you have come to know over time. Church, there are some things that we have to be willing to draw a line in the sand about. Who Jesus is, the value of God's bride in the church, God's character, loving your brother, God's sovereignty, God's design, sin. Like there are certain things that we have to say, you, you and I, we can't disagree that Jesus is the son of God. We cannot disagree that he died, rose again, and he reigns next to his father and he's coming again. We, we cannot disagree that God's word is all true. But whether you like the King James Version of the Bible or the NIV, who cares? That's not worth division. Do you see what, what Paul's getting at here? And he uses food and the Sabbath intentionally because these are bigger monkeys than any of our silly opinions that are basically just our druthers. You know what a druther is? It's something I'd rather do than that, right? That's what it is. But we make them holy. And God says, listen, through Paul, let me talk to you about holy things. And I'll even tell you, if you abstain from unclean food or you eat food that was once unclean, now made available by Christ, that's not enough to cause division in your fellowship. How to raise your children. Are you running hard after Jesus? Then who, who cares if this family has to press their clothes every morning and this family runs around the same t-shirt and only changes it once a week? You follow me? I wasn't pointing at anybody in this room. But Paul's just really clear. We cannot allow our good fellowship not to be welcoming to brothers and sisters who God has brought on a journey with them and we're all in different places over things that have taken you and I years decades to find ourselves understanding why well let's go a little bit further Verse 10 says it this way. Why would you pass judgment on your brother? Why do you despise your brother? For we will stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us must give an account to our God. Why is it not important for these things that are not primary? Sin, God, Jesus, God's word, God's people, his kingdom. Those are primary things. If you tell me Jesus isn't the son of God, it's gonna create division in our relationship. You follow me? because I'm not going to believe you're your brother or maybe you've been misinformed. But if you tell me you really like a version of the Bible or if you tell me, hey, on Sundays, I, I love 
practice in sports with my child on Sunday afternoon and I say well, I, don't, I try not to do practice on Sundays that's not enough to create division in the family of God you follow me are you tracking with me a little bit and, and the reason why is because at the end of the day neither you nor I sit in a judgment seat to tell someone else you have no future if you continue down this path. You're dead to me if you like red carpet in the sanctuary. We're out. God will pass judgment and you and I will have to give an account before God for everything. But when we consider our brother or sister more than us, we start having this mindset that they are more important than our opinion. And so I journaled this in my notes this week. David, as long as the heart of your brother is not in sin and is to honor Christ above all, let your opinion stay in your pocket. Well, that's hard for a Southern Baptist, isn't it? That's where I'm, I've been raised. I mean, I'm highly opinionated, amen? Don't, don't affirm that out loud. I didn't mean to amen on that one. Hey, this is real. But if, it, if it's not someone embracing sin and their heart is to honor God above all, I need to zip it. Because the glory of God and the purpose of my king is more important than the preference of this person. How many more people would not have left the church if we would have kept our not primary opinions in our pocket and allowed our fellowship to be used as a mature, a help for God to mature brothers and sisters? How many wounds would we not have? Listen to verse 13. Because I think the reality is, I hear you, Lord, but how do I do this? The Bible says it this way in verse 13. Therefore, do not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Let's tear this apart just a little bit, right? What, what, what I love this, man, maybe, let's see if I can go here. I don't know if I can make that happen. Let's go. What I love here is it says any longer. Praise Jesus for an out. In other words, it presupposes that at some point in the person who's reading this life, which is you and me, that we have passed judgments unfairly and in a sinful way with the best intentions on brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? That's the presumption is that this has already a part of your story. So therefore, it says, let us not pass judgment any longer. And what I love here is God gives us a replacement option. It's not that God has set us free from sin. He has, but he sets us free from sin so that we could be adopted into his family as a part of his kingdom, not just to do whatever we want. You follow me? We, we don't just find ourselves, come to me, you, you who are weary burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll take off your burden. But he says what? 
take my yoke upon you. It's easy and light. Jesus didn't die to rescue you from hell so that you could make earth an eternal hell of your choosing. He died so that you might be rescued from the sin and hell you deserve and I deserve that we might experience life to the fullness as a child of the king. Do you see how when God is at work, he takes away what is worthless and he replaces it what is all worthful or valuable it's the mark of a king I mean if you if I have a car in my driveway church and it gets five gallons to the mile you follow me right it leaves oil spots in my driveway the steering wheel comes off every now and then while you're driving down the road. I, I literally had a car that would turn itself off when I was driving growing up. We'll tell you that hot-wired story one day later. If you just take that car out of my driveway, I'm going to call you a thief. Because that may be trash, but it's my trash. But if you replace it with a car beyond my dreams, fully paid for, with a gas card that never runs dry, I don't call you a thief. I give you a high five, amen? When you take away garbage and replace it with nothing, you're a thief. Why? Because the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But not our God. He comes to what? Give. Do you see how God works? He's so good. Okay, back to the Bible. Not that we were away from it. But it says, this is what, but rather decide. This means that you have to make another conscious decision. This means that it takes intentionality. It takes obedience. It takes considering your brother or your sister above yourself. But rather if you're not going to pass judgment on them, you have to make a decision. If you don't make a decision, guess what you're going to keep defaulting to? Yourself. Everybody needs your opinion because someone out there is just like you. Amen? Come on. You rather decide not to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I don't think the word the way was used here on accident. John 14, 6, Jesus is the what? Way. What are the early, what's the early church called? The way. That's why we have way in our name. If a brother is trying to walk in the way of Jesus, you must decide not to throw your life's opinion in the way of Jesus because it is a distraction and therefore it is sin. Please do not take my word for it. Verse 15. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. 
So do not let, verse 16, what you regard as good to be spoken of as evil. Man. When you and I let our opinions create divisions in relationships in the kingdom, you are keeping people from following Jesus. You are not, but you are acting as if you are an enemy of the cross. That's what Paul says. And the example that he gives is, is, is dead on. He says, if it's food, it, I'm not telling you it's wrong to eat food. Look at verse 14. He's like, I'm good. I'm good with it. But if you're going to eat it, don't do it in front of your brother or flaunt it or make them sit through and endure it. It's okay to have opinions. It's okay to let the Lord grow that right understanding in you. But please make sure you're identifying the facts, those unnegotiable things from the opinions that you have come to know. And this is hard. Uh, a company did a study analyzing um, written TV um, articles and, and shows and networks from 1989 until 19, 2017. Super long review of stuff. And it showed the gradual shift of journalism from fact-based over time to a subtle but very clear opinion-based. And found the worst opinion today, believe it or not, is cable news. But we have started to mistake opinion for fact so much that they asked people five factual questions that were all over a news. Only 25% of the people could answer them in a factual way across every news organization. Only 25% could identify five factual statements that were all over the place. 30 some odd percent could identify all five of the false statements. Our culture is pleading with you. See your opinion as an uncompromising fact of the king. Because if your opinion finds itself on par with the truth of God himself then in your heart whether you know it or not man has become God and God is no longer reigning in your throne the enemy wants that and what God says is you must decide to judge rightly you must decide to watch to know and to care so that you know the difference between God, this is sin you call me to address. This is a truth you call me to proclaim that's clear and evident in scripture versus this is a truth I've come to understand and believe over time. A truth in scripture is that Jesus is returning, amen? What day you think it's gonna happen on and where it's gonna go to, that's opinion that you have come to conscientiously over time. And what Paul says is, it's okay for you to have that opinion. But it's not worth dividing relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ.
Listen to what verse 16 says further. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. How much bigger are those things? If you eat or drink, why do you eat or drink? Now, I normally pick my food based on punishments called the diet that keeps you healthy or based on taste, the flavor that I prefer. Neither one of those are my end goals. I eat and I drink because I want to enjoy it. I want something more and I need to eat. What Paul says, inspired by the Spirit, is do not squabble over the small things. Do not grieve that the, the world doesn't see every angle the exact way that you see every angle. Don't grieve that. But you set your eye on Jesus. And the joy and the righteousness and peace that comes in the Holy Spirit. And you get behind that. Because listen, verse 18, whoever serves Christ thus, this is, this is key, is acceptable to God and approved by men. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, that is good, that is acceptable. Church, don't you want to live a life where every day you wake up and God says, hello again. It's going to be a good day. I saw you yesterday. I saw you reach out. I saw you hold back. I love you. I want that for all eternity. And scripture says it's not a secret. But you have to stop bickering and complaining and moaning or pretending as if your opinion is more important than the joy in the life of Christ that brought us together. Verse 19, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual building up. Again, this is within the church. <laughs> How hard is this? When you know every time you see this person, I don't like how they do this. I don't like how they see this. If they would just see it my way. It takes intentionality for you to say, God, I want to live a life that reflects your word. So that when I see them, I want to make peace. Not over this thing. I don't even need to bring it up. But over you. I want to build them up. I told someone just the other day, making me smile. I said, they just retired from pastoring. 
I said, you know what? I have a dream one day. This is my, you're going to love it. My wild, crazy dream. And one day when I retire, I'll just sit on the front row and I'll say to the pastor and the worship minister, the children's minister, keep it up. Don't let it get to you. I might not have done it that way either, but stick to the word. Keep running hard. Guess what my children want from me? Not someone that's overly concerned with all these peripheral things. But someone that encourages them in the way that builds them up. But it makes, takes a decision. So verse 20, so for the sake, do not for the sake of food, or I would just say for the sake of your opinion, destroy the work of God. Don't do it. Mm. But if in this moment you are weak, in this moment you're wrestling with some things, not Jesus and sin, but Lord, what does it look like to worship you on the Sabbath rightly? What does it look like to honor you with what food comes into my body or honor, whatever it is? If it's not sin and it's not Jesus, listen to what the Bible says in verse 23. Whoever doubts, you're condemned if you eat because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Here's just what it means. If someone's pushing you around with their opinion, don't give in because then you will be sinning even if they're not sinning by practicing that same thing. Trust the Spirit to build you up. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's what I want you to know. All of this is what is meant for you, but you cannot have it if you are embracing the sin that controls who you are. So you must have, have to believe that the work of Christ, he died for you so that you could be free from sin and could be free for him. And all that comes is saying, God, I've been holding on to my sin too tightly. I wanna let it go because I believe that your son died for me and I wanna walk in the way behind you. That's God's word for you. Maybe today the Lord's convicting you that opinions have been running your life and ruining your friendships. If that's the case, start right now. Decide, judge rightly, to honor God above those things. And see what he does. He's good. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day and this moment. So Lord, as we come before you, Lord, let us be a church where people see how we act with one another in our diversity, not just in our flesh, but in our diversity of our walk with you, God, so that no one walks in this place, Lord, preparing to flinch that someone's gonna start a quarrel about things that are not most important. 
Let us be a church where we keep our eye on you. We encourage people to walk in the way of Jesus. And those who are not walking in the way of Jesus, Lord, with gentleness and kindness, let us restore them. Let us speak the truth in love. Don't let us shy away. All because of you. In Jesus' name, amen.